Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hi there. Hello. Hi. How are you? Welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News. It is time to look at what is going on this week in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, animals, and... Marvel movies and TV shows, because as I record this, I am roughly one day away from sitting down and watching Spider-Man No Way Home in theaters. I'm really excited about that, and this is totally relevant to the podcast because spiders. And also, in case you don't know it, there's currently a Marvel series taking place on Disney Plus that is called Hawkeye. And it's not only about my favorite uh, comic character of all time, Clint Barton, known as Hawkeye, but there's a character in it named Lucky the Pizza Dog. And uh, Lucky is amazing. And um, yeah, it's 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 a, really a show about a dog, mostly that uh, that that is surrounded by, you know, superheroes and stuff. So um, I'm just excited about all the animal things happening in the Marvel Universe right now. Oh boy, this podcast is really starting off just like off the rails stream of consciousness craziness here. I apologize. So let's let's just start over. Hi, hello, how are you? Uh, I'm John Rossi, and this is Rossafari Zoo News. Um, it's your weekly look at zoos, aquariums, conservation, uh, you know, animals, all the news things related to those. This is a crowdsourced, uh, partially crowdsourced anyway, uh, episode every week. So if you see any zoo newsworthy stories, you can email them to me, rossafaripod at gmail.com. You can tag me in them on the socials at Ross Safari, except for TikTok, which is at Ross Safari Pod. Uh, or you could DM them to me in the same place and, and make sure that you're following along on all of those accounts and everything. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see Spider-Man. And also Hawkeye's amazing. Ah, derailed again. So um, I'm not a big holiday tradition person. I'm, I'm really not. But I do have one in particular that I wanted to share with y'all. Namely that for the last week, week and a half or so before Christmas, I pretty much only wear my ugly Christmas sweaters. And I say ugly, but the truth is they're not even all that. OK, they're really ugly, but they're also all animal themed. Today was the first day of this tradition for 2021, and I started off by wearing a sweatshirt. See, they're called sweaters, but a lot of them aren't even really sweaters, but whatever. Anyway, it's a sweatshirt that has a bunch of dogs and Santa hats and randomly one sloth in a Santa hat. And it just makes me really happy. So, um, yeah, the problem with this is it also has little jingle bells on it. Yeah, I'm that guy. I'm totally that guy. And um, turns out that wearing a shirt that jingles is a 
bad idea for recording a podcast. So there's a hint and tip for all of you future podcasters. Don't wear jingly shirts while recording. I'm surprised that none of the major websites that tell you how to start making a podcast list that as like one of the major rules because it's, it's a good one. But all right, enough goofiness. Let's get to why we're actually here. An ad. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamers Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. Wait a minute. This just in, it turns out that most people aren't actually here for an ad, but they are here for Zoo News. So, let's get to it. Zoo News, Zoo News. It's the news that's about Zoo, Zoo News. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, y'all. If you follow zoos and the news about them at all then you know that I have no option but to start this segment with a very important piece of Zoo News, something that I've been following for quite a while. That's right, y'all. On November 20th, 2021, at 9.05 p.m., Southwick's Zoo had possibly its most important birth ever. As Danny Larson and her husband Paul... Welcomed to the world, Raina Louise Larson, at 7 pounds, 10 ounces, and at 19 inches long, baby girl is doing super well and is super adorable, and I know that because we FaceTimed. Mother is doing super well, father is doing great, Raina is awesome, and really, I only have one complaint about this whole thing which is that they didn't take my naming suggestion. I thought that they should name their daughter after the bird that Danny helped hand raise that you heard about back in her first episode. So I thought the full name should be Kinta Rossafari Larson. Come on, doesn't that have a beautiful ring to it? They didn't listen to me on that one and probably will ignore most of the things that I say because that's generally how Danny handles me. But um, I am just so thrilled for Danny and for her husband, Paul, and for the entire Southwick Zoo community that is getting a new baby bird nerd. Yay! All right, but as happy as that story is, I know that that is not what you thought I was talking about. So let's get to... The other really important zoo news this week, namely that the Columbus Zoo presented their case for the appeal of their loss of accreditation and were denied. The Columbus Zoo is officially no longer AZA accredited and will not be able to reapply for at least one year. 
Look, I'm not going to take the time to recap all of my thoughts on this here. If you want to hear them and haven't yet, go check out previous Zoo News episodes and especially the bonus episode that I put out dealing with this controversy in great depth. All I can say is that I personally don't think that this is the right choice, but I know that a lot of the zoo community is split on that, and I respect that. I do think it's important that the AZA hold zoos to high standards and not make exceptions for zoos that don't meet those standards. However, in this case, I feel like they they missed, but, you know, I get it. I am not anti-AZA all of a sudden. Uh, I am more than confident that Columbus will regain accreditation next year. And I will remain a staunch supporter as well as a member of the Columbus Zoo and cannot wait to get back there. A couple of people have reached out sharing this story with me and also asking me what this means for the zoo. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk. There is a law in Ohio that if you're not an accredited facility, you have to not have certain animals, including big cats. I mentioned that just last week, Columbus did get accredited by a marine mammal accreditation group, but I don't know if that covers things like big cats since they weren't, you know, (laughs) what that group was looking at. I don't really know how all of this works. I will be curious to see that. I will say that I've seen a lot of press saying that this means they'll have to get rid of all of their SSP animals and such, and that is very much not the case. As a matter of fact, there are zoos that have never been ACA accredited that have animals that participate in the SSP. It it gets a little complicated, but obviously preserving that genetic diversity is the most important thing for SSPs. And so um, the AZA works with a variety of, of facilities beyond ones that are just members. At the end of the day, though, the Columbus Zoo is a world-class facility, one of the best zoos and conservation organizations in the world, and I am confident that they will be able to take care of this, not lose their animals, not go under or have anything crazy happen like some people have asked me, and uh, everything will calm down here hopefully in a year. Uh, if if the AZA pushes it much further than that, then... Um, then I'm going to start to to worry and have some more questions. But uh, for now, I think everybody believes they're doing the right thing. And at the end of the day, I believe that the AZA is truly not trying to make some big statement or something like I've seen people say, but just trying to protect their brand. And when I say that, I don't say that sarcastically. I mean that AZA accreditation needs to mean something or else it will mean nothing. And that Columbus will continue to do the amazing work that they always do, taking top-notch care of their animals and their people. And eventually, the two will be reunited joyously. Raina Louise Larson isn't the only important zoo birth that has happened lately. And to clarify, she was not born at the zoo. They, they, they went to a hospital and, and stuff. They, they did, I promise. Um, but six Komodo dragons have hatched at the Bronx Zoo. This is the first time the species has successfully been bred there in 122 years. And one of the coolest things about the Bronx Zoo is that in their World of Reptiles building, they have a nursery where you can see various hatchlings of reptiles when they have them. So, if you can get to the Bronx Zoo right now, you have a real good chance of seeing at least some of the six Komodo dragon babies. 
on exhibit. Man, I need to get to the Bronx. Love it up there anyway, but this sounds awesome. Go see baby Komodos, y'all. A huge congratulations to Elmwood Park Zoo's executive director and CEO, Al Zone. He has decided to leave the zoo and start his own calzone company called Alzone's Calzones. No, wait, I just made that up. In fact, Al received Philadelphia Business Journal's Most Admired CEO Award for 2021. I've run into Al more than a few times at the zoo, and he always seems to be just doing amazing work, inspiring people, stepping in where needed, and um, setting the tone for the culture of what is, as you know, my home zoo and somewhere that I just love. Al, congratulations. And seriously, let's talk about Alzones Calzones. This is a good idea, friend. And now we go from my goofy jokes to a serious and sad story. The Akron Zoo earlier this week decided to humanely euthanize Shanti, their female snow leopard. You may remember from a Zoo News episode back in July that the veterinary team there confirmed the progression of advanced chronic kidney and heart diseases in Shanti, and since that time, her care was shifted to palliative care with the focus on providing her with the best quality of life and comfort as possible as she neared the end of her life. Sadly, these efforts were not working out well enough to truly maintain her quality of life. And as such, on December 14th, Shanti was euthanized. I have spent a lot of time watching Shanti when I've been at the Akron Zoo. Uh, absolutely just a gorgeous cat, super playful, super sweet, and an incredible mother who ended up having eight cubs in her lifetime at the Akron Zoo. The last of which was in 2019 and was named Baya, and I actually got to go see that little goober the day she was on exhibit for the first time. It was absolutely amazing to see, and Shanti was such an adorable and attentive mother. As a sad post-note to that story, Baya actually passed away earlier this year in Green Bay from COVID. I spoke briefly to a couple of my keeper friends at the Akron Zoo, and um, they are all devastated, of course. Um, something like this is always hard, even though, you know, they gave Shanti the absolute best life that they could, and that there was nothing they could have done to um, to prevent this, and in fact, they gave her a longer and better life than she would have had in the wild uh, with these diseases. But I do have to say that from the CEO on down, everyone was truly affected by this loss. And it sounds like the zoo has been doing a really good job just making sure that the human staff is taken care of during this time, which is something that I always appreciate. I am going to miss Shanti a lot. Goodbye, sweet girl. But okay, let's get a little bit happier again. You know, I recently shared with you about the passing of Winter the Dolphin at Clearwater Marine Aquarium, and they are now excited to announce that they have been selected by the National Marine Fisheries Service to be the forever home of a new rescued male bottlenose dolphin named Apollo. Back in May, Apollo was stranded on Pialinda Beach in Florida, 
Ironically, not far from where Winter and also Hope the Dolphin, the star of A Dolphin Tale 2, was uh, found stranded. Uh, Apollo was not doing well, was very thin, had parasites on his dorsal fin, pectoral fins, and fluke. And given his condition, um, he was rehabilitated. And uh, they've decided that he is non-releasable because he also had a bunch of hearing loss in whatever caused him to get into this state. They don't really know, obviously. And um, so he has a really hard time echolocating. As such, the two-year-old dolphin will be living at Clearwater Marine Aquarium for the rest of his life taking a little of the sting out of winter's loss for this staff as they get to help provide a new home to this newly rescued dolphin. So, if you're like me, you are on the email lists of a lot of zoos and aquariums. And a lot of times, those facilities are reaching out asking for money, which, you know, can actually get a little annoying at times. Although I will say, a lot of them do it in a very cute way, and many of them, get some of my money. So I guess it works. But honestly, I think it's important to look at why those fundraising emails are so important. And I have a great story to share with y'all about a public aquarium in Alaska that literally saved its own life with fundraising. The Alaska Sea Life Aquarium is located in Seward? Seward? I don't know. I have some Alaskan listeners. Somebody let me know how you say that. But anyway, S-E-W-A-R-D, Alaska, which is 126 miles south of Anchorage. Said town is small and doesn't have the population or resources to support a big aquarium like this by itself. However, cruise ship traffic and other things like that, tourism in other words, uh, are a huge source of revenue for the aquarium. In fact, uh, tourism makes up around 90% of the total income coming in to the aquarium, which is vastly different from most zoos and aquariums out there. Of course, the problem with this method is that when COVID shut down the aquarium, they had no income coming in. But then once they were allowed to reopen, they still only were looking at about 10% of their total revenue that they would expect because cruise ships still weren't coming and other tourists weren't traveling. It was not good. So they looked at their finances and realized that it takes about $4 million a year for sea life to function properly. And they were going to maybe make a million dollars that year. They were able to get a $1 million PPP loan from the government, uh, but, you know, I'm not great at math, but I'm pretty sure that $1 million plus $1 million doesn't really equal $4 million. In early June, the center realized that if they were not able to raise the additional $2 million by September, they would be forced to close. So they sent out an email explaining the situation and asking for donations. They reached out to local and then national press. Many companies got involved and offered matches of fifty or a hundred or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars at certain times for certain donors. And I can tell you that within just a few weeks, the aquarium had raised over four million dollars in donations. 
While the money itself saved the center, the bigger takeaway was that the center was able to figure out new ways to engage with potential donors. And when their backs were up against the wall, they were able to figure it out. I am so impressed by this story, and I think it's going to be really cool to see what the Alaskan Sea Life Center does with their additional funds and um, with the future of their marketing and emailing communication and all of that stuff. Sometimes those spammy-looking emails really do make a difference, y'all. And finally, this week in Zoo News, many of the tigers at Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo have been diagnosed with COVID-19. There are no updates at this time, and it is not the full population, but the tiger area will be closed to combat the disease. And now... Conservation! Conservation! News time! Oh yeah! For the first time in 50 years, the paw prints of an Amur tiger have been found in northeast Siberia. The Amur tiger, also called the Siberian tiger, is a protected species in Russia, um, mainly because humans hunted it to the brink of extinction in the mid-20th century. Good, good job, humans. We're, we're so good at this. But uh, thanks to ongoing conservation work, the tiger's population in Russia's Far East has grown from around 330 individuals in 2005 to over 600 individuals today. While seeing that population growth is awesome, it's also really important to see animals re-enter parts of the range that they used to be in and can no longer be found in, which is why this paw print is such an exciting and important conservation milestone for this species. And while we are on the topic of conservation success stories... The mountain gorilla in Rwanda is the only species of great apes whose numbers are now on the rise in the wild, mainly because they are attracting ecotourists who come and boost the local economy. With people in the area invested in keeping these apes alive, um, they're doing well. It's, it's really exciting to see how, how ecotourism can, can help save a species. In fact, the top source of foreign revenue, not just in the area where the gorillas are, but for the entire country of Rwanda, is tourism revenue of people coming to see the mountain gorillas. Because of this, the government of Rwanda is really inspired to help with what they call extreme conservation. Today, gorilla poaching in Rwanda has been completely eradicated, and every gorilla family in the park they are located in is carefully monitored by researchers and trackers 365 days a year. And what kind of money do people pay to go and see these gorillas? Each person pays 1500 American dollars to just go into the forest to spend one hour with gorillas. And this happens every day of the year. Now, I want to be clear here, they're going into the forests and observing the gorillas, and um, you can get into the whole argument about whether just being there and observing them does impact them in a negative way or whatever, but there's no touching, there's no feeding, this isn't something like that. It's just going and observing the gorillas being gorillas. 
And of course, the people who can afford to spend $1,500 a day are also expecting to have a more lavish lifestyle than old school Rwanda could have provided for them. So these tourists are spending a ton of extra money outside of the protected areas, hiring porters, guides, including some who used to be poachers but can now make more money as guides into the forest, and, um, you know, helping to create and sustain high-end hotels and restaurants and stuff like that. Not only is Rwanda saving the gorillas, but gorilla tourism is saving Rwanda. And speaking of Rwanda, on November 29th, 2021, 30 southern white rhinos were translocated from South Africa to Akagira National Park in Rwanda. Now, Akagira National Park is one of the parks that I was talking about where all of the gorillas are so well protected. And those protections will now be extended to these rhinos who hopefully will breed and start to make little rhino babies to conserve the species. In fact, Akagira has not lost one high-value animal to poaching in the past 11 years. So these rhinos are going to a real safe place. Hopefully rhino tourism works as well as gorilla tourism to help Rwanda help the animals. Help Rwanda help the animals. Help Rwanda help the animals. In other news. Y'all, I probably don't need to tell you this, but there has been some serious drama this year at the King Abdulaziz Camel Festival in Saudi Arabia. Yep, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There was a bout of cheating in the Camel Beauty Contest. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Seriously, the popular Camel Beauty Contest in this festival had more than 40 camels disqualified this year because they were given Botox, facelifts, and growth hormones. Okay, okay, this isn't funny. But I mean, it kind of is. Like, I'm horrified and I hate this, but also there's a beauty contest for camels in Saudi Arabia and people are cheating by giving them Botox. I just can't. With everything going on in the world right now, I, I I literally just cannot process this. Of course, it's not completely surprising that people are trying to cheat in this contest. How much money can you win if you have the most beautiful camel at your camel beauty pageant? Well, the overall prizes for this amount to over 66 million U.S. dollars. Seriously cannot make this up. And again, I, I want to stress that while I am looking at this from a lighter side and kind of laughing about the fact that it exists, it's not okay to do this kind of thing. There are actually videos out there of camels having so much Botox injected that their lips burst. Don't torture animals for cosmetic reasons, y'all. That's for Hollywood stars to do to themselves, okay? But also, if you can read an article like this and not at least chuckle, you're a better human than I am. Also, I want to take a moment to update you on a story that you heard here a while ago. Uh, remember I told you about the zebras that have been on the loose since August in Prince George's County? Welp, they have officially been found. 
That's right. The zebras that were wandering free for a couple of months have been captured. While authorities are not saying where the zebras are being kept right now, it's good to know at the very least that they have the right wardrobe to be in custody. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Y'all, according to my peppermint narwhal animal holidays calendar... There are no holidays this week that are actually related to animals. I I do need to point out that Friday the 17th is Ugly Holiday Sweater Day, which does a nice job of tying this back into the intro of the podcast. And on Monday the 20th, it's International Human Solidarity Day, which is like cool, I guess. And then depending on where you're at in the globe, on Tuesday the 21st, it's the winter solstice or the summer solstice. Um, But none of that is very animally. Still, the song slaps and ugly Christmas sweaters are awesome. So, uh, you know, how to put the section in. And just like that, another week of Zoo News is in the books. I would like to remind you that you can contribute to Zoo News by sending me articles and links and all that good stuff, you know, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode. This week, I'd like to say thank you to my contributors, Dylan Hoy, Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, and Katie Prop. you know, of Penguins International, Katie Prop. Flappy birds. Anyway, I'd also like to say thank you to Laura Shank, my Red Panda Level patron, Really appreciate you and your support. I really do. Don't forget that you too can support the pod by going to patreon.com slash rossafari. Or if you would like to make a one-time contribution to the podcast, maybe as a little holiday something something for me, you can simply send it to me at rossafari on Venmo. But more than anything, the thing you can do for me is keep downloading, keep listening, and keep letting me know that you're loving the podcast. Honestly, this community means the world to me. I am so grateful that all of you are here, and I'm so grateful that most of you make it the whole way through the episode when you listen so that you understand what I mean when I say, remember, friends, the words Newsy Credits Backwards are Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.